Welcome to the Bedpost Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Erin Pym, and what I like to do here on the pod is bring fun and sexy guests into the studio to talk about sex and sexuality. Today, I'm super excited to welcome, okay, fetish and kink-focused provider, Effie Turner. Hey, Effie. Hi, how's it going? So good. I'm so um, I'm so glad that you um, reached out. I think I put a tweet out. And then you were like, oh, yes, me, please, because we've been getting to know each other quite a bit over the last like year or something. So I was like, yes, oh, my God, please come on. (laughs) Yeah, we've had some like we've had some really fun experiences together, like both like socially in our own time, but then also like finding a cool, like fun dynamic with like the couple duos that we've done and like play parties and stuff and and, like the Exploratorium too. Like we keep kind of keep bumping into each other in some fun spaces and it's really fun. I know, right? We keep just, you know, our our fates are intertwined. They just keep colliding. Yes. (laughs) It's it's the passion of the platinum blondes, right? You're magnetically drawn to each other. Like you, Chloe, like anyone else, it's kind of platinum. It's just sort of within the industry, you kind of keep touching. Truly, <laughs> truly. So, okay, I asked you, um, we've got a great little list of topics here, but um, before the pod, I always ask people like, you know, how they refer to themselves, uh, like work-wise and you said fetish and kink focused provider. And then you said that's mostly because of my armpits. You and I both have the uh, have our <laughs> armpit hair grown out. Oh, yeah, I have definitely the armpits. I like from a really young age, I've always had like really dark and, and like a lot of body hair. And yeah. it, it goes through different sort of phases. And like especially when I was younger, you know, being like 10 years old and having kids at school being like, you got more of a mustache than I do. And you know, you're a kid and it gets kind of like ingrained and kind of weird. And I, you know, within my path of sobriety went like, fuck it, like, I can't get rid of there. And, you know, and the act of growing it out and letting it be there, the people that I turned out didn't actually want in my life, you know, that have that sort of negative adverse reaction to the body hair. It's like amazing because they weed themselves out. I don't really need to have them there. Exactly. But then as well within this sort of industry, it's sort of like, oh, you find the beauty in these small things. Well, like, yes, come to me because you have an understanding of me as a human being and not as an object. And it's sort of the type of people that are drawn towards me because of my body here has been like the number one reason why I've stayed in the industry, you know, and like really pushed me to sort of work in towards those spaces and wanting to work with more fetish spaces and more kink spaces just because the way that I feel in those scenes, I feel, I feel, I don't feel like an object to quell an urge. I feel like someone that someone wants to build something and create more with. And it's sort of the small thing like armpit here, it really does sort of draw a line with that sort of thing. And it's, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, Isn't it funny how like a little detail like that, like, you know, armpit hair, you can, 
it can it can make things feel so like deep or emotionally um, satisfying or like healing in a lot of ways. Like just those little details oh, like yeah. that. Were you surprised by that when that started happening? Well, I first noticed it at the gym where it was like, so I started going to the gym when I got sober because I needed a way to expel all this excess energy. And at first I was just like, felt like I was getting stared at all the time. And, you know, the body hair grows out and people sort of look in disgust and that sort of small, tiny thing. And it just, it completely changes everyone's perception of you. It's, you know, suddenly they can't put their own view of what they think you are on top of you that your true self just started to start shining through even stronger oh i love that yeah i always see your armpits and i'm like fuck yeah like i love i love how they're dark i love like i just i see armpit hair in a picture um i'm obsessed like i just i love that like just aesthetically for me i'm like yes it's hot i love it personally yeah i think one of my like favorite photos that I've got done for like advertising and everything for work I uh, did a shoot and it's just like me with like a little blanket on my mouth with just see the armpits and it's like I just feel so stunningly beautiful mm. and it's like not anything if you look back like five years ago like I would not have been able to look at that photo and sort of being able to see that like that security within that and that sort of like you know it's a visual representation of the like internal work that you do and you can see that sort of beauty of yourself through a lens that anymore it's yes. sort of, like that is definitely one of my favorite photos that i have it's beautiful oh i love that yeah yeah <laughs> uh, it's like a little peak yeah that, that's so funny how you're like yeah there's like a blanket on I me mean, all you can kind of see is like this little peak of the armpit hair it's like yeah it's like a little peek into your soul it's a little peek into your healing it's a little yeah. like i like that kind of metaphor and it's so intimate like you know if you know with a lot of people that i tend to see you know it's, it's craving a sense of intimacy and what is more intimate than armpit hair what is more intimate than your armpits that soft sense of place that everyone sort of flinches away from and being able to stay open being able to stay vulnerable being able to you know be accepted then leads to you know clients being able to feel more comfortable in a vulnerable space for them to be able to work through things of their own for them to be able to you know lean into that vulnerability within themselves and being able to create those sort of steps of interdependency like something as small as being able to be open in that such a tiny way has Mm. so many like domino side effects to like everyone else in the room like it's really such a small thing but so many big sort of ripple effects yeah like implications yeah um (laughs) when did you kind of discover that for yourself like is this kind of a relatively new journey for you like exploring doing exploration um in kink spaces and then kind of noticing the impact is this like a new thing for you or is this like well so I first stepped into like sex work industry probably about seven, eight years ago. Um, I wasn't well at the time. Um, and so it was definitely in like very much a survival sort of space. I was doing it for access to drugs and alcohol um, and things like that. And it had kind of reached a point I'd, I was blackout drunk and I came to in the middle of a session with someone and I didn't know how I got there. I didn't know how I screened. I didn't know how I did that, but I had money and I was in the middle of a, you know, session with someone. And after that, I'd sort of gone home and was like, I enjoy sex too much. Like I am not willing to hurt myself. I cannot do this. And 
you know, I stopped doing that. And during that time, I was able to make some, you know, friends within the industry who I'm still good friends with now. Uh, and they've been, you know, as I step back into it, it's almost a year now that I've stepped back into it again. Um, uh, you know, those friendships and those doors are still open and they're all so much happier to see me in the space that I am now. Like I'm a lot healthier and a lot happier and these sorts of things. So I've always kind of been on the cusp of like, like kink and fetish world and that sort of thing um but i think with my own anxieties of not having sort of like having some stuff to work through within my own self-worth and things like that i didn't quite have the confidence to touch it as much but the weird and the taboo has always been a draw for me but um draw for me i sort of i grew up uh, as a performer i was a ballerina for 14 years yes i re i remember that yeah, sort of had a very performative relationship with my family and things like that. So I had all this like internal, like, I know I'm a weirdo, sicko freak. And I, you know, that's how I like to call it because that's how I knew it. And, you know, I love all the weird stuff. Like, yes, please let me, well, you jerk off. This is great. But, you know, the sort of performative aspect of who I thought I was supposed to be, that did not align. And so there was a lot of like me sitting in a room by myself, like, binge consuming information but like I can't let this spill over into my real life so I just you know hide it all into a thing so it's sort of you know the past year has definitely been like letting the Effie like reach the outside and letting her play in spaces in which uh she's been too scared to touch before and so it's been like a fun journey that like while there's been like I could see it I can touch it it was right there I never sort of did but I would walk alongside of it and occasionally like set my foot in and go to a party or you know occasionally you know date a couple parts of them would be a little more kinkier or something like that but there was definitely a good few years in there of like me trying to find that confidence within myself to be able to feel comfortable enough to be in that space Thank you for sharing all that. There's so, so much about what you just said that I want to, I want to go into further. I love even just how you opened up that, that little paragraph with using this word performative. And it's interesting because you were a performer, a dancer, and I, I have a performing, mm -hmm. performing arts background as well. So that's just kind of interesting how you use that word to bring into, well, I was performative within my family as well because I very mm -hmm. much did the same thing too. And I never kind of saw that parallel of like, I literally was a performer. I like, I have, you know, training in the performing arts, my whole kind of young adulthood. And then I also yeah. did that thing where I was performative in my family. All my anxiety at that time came from like that perfectionism um, pressure that I always yeah. had. And that's so interesting of like, ooh, I was a performer, you know, everywhere yeah. there and there absolutely yeah it's and it's you don't realize it until you're sort of going like why like you know it sort of came up for me because I was like why can't I have real meaningful relationships with people and it's because I keep trying to be this like you know perfection version of myself to let others so they can't be disappointed in what they yes. see and things like that right and it sort of creates this like w weird dissonance of like you know, I want to let this person in my life, I really like them, but they don't know who I am. And everything they're doing is against my core thing. And you're going and sort of saying, like, how is this working? And then you realize that, like, oh, it's because I'm not myself. And you're looking at this, like, 
squishing your hands and you're like, I don't know what's going on. And it's because you never let them see who you really are. And you kind of, it, yeah. it's a weird space, but it happens. And it's, it, for me, it kept repeating over and over again. Instead of, yeah, it, a lot of hard work to get out of that. Yeah, when I realized that um, people pleasing is a form of emotional unavailability, I was like, mm -hmm. oh, shit. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I, I do that. I have been doing that, like you said, mm -hmm. again and again and again. Yeah, so congratulations, like, on your journey. Obviously, I'm sure, <laughs> like me, you know, you still battle this stuff, but... Um, oh, absolutely. I'm all, I also find this really interesting because, you know, it's not uncommon that people go into sex work to kind of, as you said, like, bring these two, I'm a Gemini, so for me, it's like, see these two, bring these twins together, you know what I mean? Um, this performative mm -hmm. part of you and this authentic part of you. Because mm -hmm. I had the same learning curve when I went into pro sex work, I went into pro kink work and like, um, you know, thinking I had to look a certain way, it had to look like this, you know, and this was Lady Pym, mm -hmm. and this was and this was me. Um, and they had to be different, you know, one had to be very marketable or whatever, you know, it, since we talked about armpit hair, that mm -hmm. was another thing, right? Like, I never thought that I could go into sex work and confidently be showing off my body hair. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I knew it was a kink and that that could be a thing. But like, that I could show up authentically and not be so concerned about my branding or marketability or performing femininity or whatever it was that I could actually show up authentic um, and have people book me because they want to play with me D was a huge, hugely healing thing for me as well. Oh yeah. And it's amazing. Yeah. And even like, even if the armpit isn't the fetish, like the fact of having the hair there does even more so like relate to that authenticality of yourself too. It's sort of, definitely doubles down even if the person doesn't have the the fetish of the armpit hair that also just sort of like leads into the fact that you know you are yourself in session in a certain way a little bit of like you know miss lady pym over it too there's also there, there's this duality that fights at the same time which is so needed especially in those vulnerable spaces yeah absolutely Does that makes sense yeah. yeah yeah so how did you like I'm interested, what was your like process then in like trust exploration? Because you mentioned that a few times of like, you know, with your with your emotional history kind of coming into this of like safe space. How did it like safe space exploration? Because that seems like that was re that's really a focus for you. Yeah, and safe space definitely is. Um, I will say I have this upbringing. Um, and as you could probably assume by someone who would run away from her entire family at the age of 17 from New Zealand to go to Toronto to go live near her estranged father she has not seen in 12 years, there was some stuff going on there. So, that you know, a safe space isn't something that I've sort of really found probably until I found Oasis. And that was yeah. my first safe space that I found one where it was like I could put everything down. Um, and that was only temporary. So trying to find spaces where I feel safe, where I could feel trusted uh, was important. But within that tumultuous sort of upbringing, there was also a, how can I put it? I wasn't led to be, I wasn't brought up to believe that I could trust my own inner voice, I think would be the easiest way to put it. So there is a lot of um, 
fear that my inner voice is incorrect in a way that it's going to hurt another person or I'm going to hurt myself because of things that I've done in the past. And this is including with like my own uh, history with addiction and things like that as well. Like I have pretty uncomfortable places and experienced some pretty uncomfortable things. Um, and so, you know, trying to find a space where I could trust people was really, it's been something that I've been looking for for a long time because if you can't even trust a partner, then, you know, is it really sort of what's going on? And I think the, the, there's been a few, exa- few instances prior to where, you know, within dating, sort of like learning how to communicate within kink and, you know, listening to different podcasts and different people sort of explaining, you know, how negotiations go and things like that, that sort of, you know, Kitty started that. But I would say the big, like, aha moment in learning how to trust was when you and I had a one-on-one session together. I think that was sort of my big aha moment within myself of learning like oh this is what it means to have trust because like trust is not something that you can earn it's something that you give right you can't you can't go around and be like I can't trust anyone I can't trust anyone I can't trust anyone because that is a choice Mm -hmm. you keep saying like you're speaking that into existence but you can choose to trust people um but yeah so it was sort of that was a big uh, exercise for me in learning how to trust my own inner voice and that had so many different um, ripple effects into my day-to-day life like after that session uh, so like three I had booked Aaron for a session for an impact scene because I wanted to experience it what it would look like because I'm someone that is very anxious and very in control all the time mm. and uh, so yeah we'd done this scene together and it was like partway through the scene, I'm bowling my eyes out and I'm going, oh, this is what it means to trust someone. And I, I can trust them because I know that they're educated and I've spoken to them before. And, you know, every step of the way you've communicated with me and nothing of my inner body or my inner self is screaming alarms. And so it was like in that moment, I could feel what trust felt like on the inside as well as experience what it feels like. Because I knew that within the scene, like, yes, there was, you know, some fun dragon tail slips and some flogging and things like that. But you were never that I couldn't handle. Hmm. And that, like, aha moment of understanding what that felt like. And I say feel a lot, felt like a lot because of my history with, like, BPD and CPTSD. It's sort of like I exist in a bubble of feelings. I feel everything. So it's like being able to know what that sort of moment feels like it. Yeah, it was it was quite almost like a rite of passage of just like ah, that this makes sense. I get it now. Yeah, <laughs> connecting a puzzle. A huge piece. aha moment. Wow. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is yeah, and yeah, that sort of step from there. It, I mean, it led to me changing some relationships in my life because I realized that different things weren't feeling the same way that I thought that they would, or whatever else. And there was some shifts and things like that that happened post that, um, which I don't think is actually that uncommon. Yeah. Whether people wanted to talk about it or not. And it's sort of like when you sort of have a moment like that, when you understand where like different things are, uh, things can sort of switch around a little bit. Um, but yeah, I would say that that moment, like while there was little where I could see that, where I'm like, yeah, I'd let this person hit me or I'd let this person do this. Like 
in that moment, seeing the framework of how it was set up, seeing how it looks like, seeing how it feels like, seeing how I could adjust it for myself and all these other things. It, yeah, that. Wow. That sort of exercise within itself was just booking a pro dom, like the amount of, I don't know, it just kind of, yeah, a big full circle moment. Man, the whole time you're talking, I have the biggest smile on my face, first of all. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> like, oh my God, what an honor to yeah. facilitate that scene with you. I want to say for you, mm-hmm. but it's with you because of everything you brought into that scene, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I was adorable. I came in with a little notebook with like all my notes and my intentions and everything. Oh, you I were treated like... it like church, I swear to goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it, it kind of is like a spiritual experience other than like, I want to go get my ass beat. Like, kind of the same thing. You did, you did your homework. Like, holy smokes. Mm-hmm. And honestly, when people show up to a session with that, you know, having done the work or ready to do the work, like, they show up in that way. Like, you are, you are going to get that. You are going to connect yeah. dots, you know, you are going to see that impact, you know, um, haha, pun not mm-hmm. intended, but like you, you are <laughs> like whatever you bring, I truly <laughs> believe this, whatever you're bringing into the session, that's what you're going to get out of the session, right? And you are uh, like such oh, yeah. a good example of that. Well, yeah, you can, you can make that time a pro provider, it doesn't matter what sort of service they're sort of providing, like if you make sure that it. If you set your intentions and you're honest with yourself on why you're actually doing it, you're going to get an amazing, you know, an amazing experience out of it because your your brain's already aligned with the pot. You already know what you're doing. Not just going like, I'm going to book a person and see what happens. Like, yeah. And not to say that that won't also have time because it will, but it will be a deeper, more prolonged and may actually, you know, help with some new neuron train, uh, pathways and things like that if you sort of actually put the effort into knowing why you're doing it as well. Yeah, I had a consult the other day, actually, of somebody who um, they've had uh, most mostly like their only kind of erotic experiences have been with this one pro um, dom over like the past year or so. Um, exclusively Mm -hmm. just with this person. This is the first time they've experimented or played or explored with anything like this. Um, And they had a consult with me to talk about how to, exactly as you were saying, like how you can kind of translate that and bring it into how you're, what you're going to do in your personal life now, right? Because this gave Mm -hmm. me a great example of like, you know, um, negotiation, as you said, and like, how you want to show up in that space and the types of conversations you want to be ready to have and all of this stuff and like knowing what you want and knowing what you don't and all of this, all of this important kind of work. And then it was kind of, okay, now how do I bring this into my private life? I kind of want to start dating. I want to start doing kink play. Um, And I said right away to her, I was like, I love how your first experiences were with a pro, you know, to give you such a good kind of Mm -hmm. framework for this. But I want to let you know that, like, you know, if you're in a healthy relationship, a healthy dynamic, you know, 
you have healthy communication with somebody, it can look exactly like that, right? You can get all your needs, you know, communicated, and they're going to do their best Mm -hmm. to like meet your needs. They're not going to have ulterior motives, you know, that are going to push your boundaries. They're not going to have more invested beyond the two of you enjoying authentically enjoying each other, you know, in the scene or whatever, you know what I mean? I'm like, I just want to let you know, like what you all of those amazing things you took from your pro scenes with your provider, like, you can do that in your personal life. You know what I mean? So I love that you're just talking about this also right now of like how it had that ripple effect, like you said, of like, yeah, it might change the way you date, it might change the way you have sex, it might change, you know what I mean? Like, it truly does have can have that impact. Oh yeah, it it changed the way that I've dated, and like in some cases, it's one. It's quite funny. There's a person that we're kind of that I'm kind of courting. I will put it that way right now, and we say courting, <laughs> but it's like negotiations because and like we'll be doing something together. Like he's stalling a windmill the other day, and they just turned to me and go, uh, "Non-negotiable," and just sort of this is what it was. And I was like, in that moment take it or leave it and I was like yeah no I'm good with that like and it's just sort of like we're both just you know sitting at the dinner table and it will just be like yeah you know this isn't gonna work if you don't have your own life in your career and I'm like yeah uh if you don't uh I'm gone and it's just like really and just that change in like communication style it's 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 amazing but it's like you there's no worry about someone else's reality is and so you're not stuck in your own internal sort of world you know, fixating and fuzzing like you've got a swarm of bees in your head and not knowing what's going on because you know that you can just go like, hey, my brain's saying this and it's making me feel anxious. And they can just be like, oh, well, that's kind of whatever. And then you can have a discussion about it. And from someone that was, you know, had all these feelings and didn't know how to talk, the the ease in which I can just go, and we're like, okay, it's good now. And then I'm not stuck worrying about it for like three and a half years yeah, just get, it out. get it out get it out get it out get it out the bedpost podcast is sponsored by come as you are founded as a worker-owned cooperative come as you are has a fundamentally anti-capitalist and feminist approach to sexual pleasure health and education Come As You Are doesn't profit from your pleasure and only stocks products that they truly love and believe in. Come As You Are has been voted best sex shop in Toronto since 1997. Check them out at comeasyouare.com or 254 Augusta Avenue in Toronto's own Kensington Market. We are also sponsored by Club M4 Toronto. Club M4 is the largest sexually charged lifestyle club in the GTA. And now you can go to their website, www.clubm4.com. If anything looks interesting and you want to check it out, head on down to Club M4 at 1989 Dundas Street, Mississauga. Yeah, I was on a date um, the other day and the person asked me what I'm like within my work, what I'm, what I'm best at. I think that was the question. Like, what are, what are you best at? And I think I'm, I said, I think I'm really good at distilling like during negotiation, just meeting a client, you know, for the first time often 
distilling their information mm-hmm. into a scene, right? Like, like taking all of, first of all, asking all the right questions, you know what I mean? Getting all the information. You're like mining for information, right? So that I can do mm-hmm. this thing. It's like, what do you want out of this? How do you, you know, trying to figure out like what they want and try and, you know, knowing how to give it to them, you know, trying to give it to them. I think yeah. I'm really good at figuring that out most times. Um, mm-hmm. Which, how how do you, like, so, okay. we I know one of our talking points is, like, creating intimacy. For me, like, that's it for me, right? That's how I create intimacy in my pro sessions when I'm topping or doming. How do you create intimacy? Mm-hmm. And you can answer that in your pro life or in your personal life, whatever you prefer. How do you create intimacy? So there's a few different ways. I would say the most often used tactic that I didn't realize it was one until probably recently is in spaces like pro spaces um, and even personal life spaces, because in the realm of like, sex and everything everything gets heated and quick and you know run 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 and run and it's sort of something that I had sort of seen observed and had subconsciously taken on but it's sort of I'm the person that slows everything right down mm. like way 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 right down yeah uh you know uh, uh you know a full service provider my sessions are never about your orgasm and you know, and I'm marketed in that way and people don't like me because of it. And that's great. That's fine. You're not here to see me. And that's awesome. I know. Not a good match people, though. Go see them. Who cares? Yeah. Not a good match. Exactly. Yep. But like, I don't give a fuck about your orgasm whatsoever. I don't care if I don't. <laughs> like that is not the point. I mean, of course it's funny for me to say, I don't care if I don't orgasm. because You can look at me funny and I come and it's great. <laughs> like, or smack me with a flogger as you may have seen. <laughs> I might have. A couple times, maybe. Made of. Maybe. Once or twice. <laughs> but, like, removing an end goal like that and slowing things down is one way in which I create intimacy, I would say. Because then, if it's not about an end goal and we're spending time together and I'm slowing down your inner world so that it's at the same rate as the external world, because a lot of time going to sessions and things like that the inner world is running so much faster than everything else that's around them you know then they're grounded then they can actually feel your touch if your cons cannot feel you yes you know being able to slow down in those spaces being able to let them feel the intimacy within themselves like i would say that was probably one of my like biggest things yeah my favorite sentence is like baby steps like we're good we can slow down there's yeah. no need to run in a world that runs so, so... Let's take a minute. Mm-hmm. Like, even mm-hmm. if it's a 30-minute session, let's take a minute. Mm-hmm. All good. Yeah. That's something that I like. Um, I also 100% agree. I think a big thing that's impactful in the way I kind of start my sessions, how I transition from, like, mm-hmm. negotiation into the scene, you just take a minute, exactly as you said, you take a minute to, like, transition, yeah. to to focus. Okay, we were talking, we were chat, 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 you know, let's take a moment yeah. to, like, just get in our bodies. And then that's yeah. going to have big impact, you know, later on. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. And it's not something that I thought would have such a long last, like such 
but like in the act of me slowing down for other people, I started slowing down with myself. And then, you know, suddenly there's yeah. more personal intimacy, which can create more intimacy in other spaces too. It creates like a comfortability to be able to have those uncomfortable conversations because you're not constantly running on to the next thing. You know, there isn't a, a speed. It's like, no, we're going slow so that you don't feel uncomfortable and feel like you can't talk or you can't do these sorts of things. It's a, uh, you know, taking the time to have a conversation with you and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, the, the you know, the grounding techniques that you use at the beginning of your session, you know, with the like hands on the shoulders and the head down and the breathing. Mm -hmm. Mine looks a little different. I tend to like squash someone and hug them back into their body until they mm. stop shaking. Mm. But it's like, yeah, it's, you know. Yeah, and then it lets like our energies, like you sit in that energy for a minute and then both of our energies sort of like mix up a little bit and then we're on the same wavelength and things don't feel uncomfortable, you know, sort of soften into stuff. Yeah. Yeah, there's something that like came to me when you're talking about this thing of really slowing down, I mean, in your work as well, I'm sure, but in my work, like how I also, what I also try to do, you know, I, I want to leave so much room for the no. I want to, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? So that kind of helps you do that. I think when you're slowing it down and leaving mm -hmm. space, it's like you're actually holding space for them to, tell you whatever tell you no tell you how they're doing right oh yeah and the act of holding space for someone is you know i think like the biggest part of what we do yeah yeah is, i agree like, you know you're a comfortable person to sit in silence with how many people can sit in silence with another person it sort of it, it doesn't happen often and so being able to be that space where it's you know it's you know where they know you're not going to put your own emotional weight load onto their words where they don't have to worry about how you're going to react to things you know being able to hold that space is so important yeah absolutely agree yeah 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 okay i we can't go we can't go too much longer without talking about i i will recite this word for word <laughs> from what you wrote what you wrote to me <laughs> it's just so poetic it says the wonderful world of waterworks and what that can look like. It's a lot of alliteration there. I, I'm obsessed. <laughs> My mother was an English teacher and like it just pours out of me. Like the I can't write a sentence. wonderful world of waterworks. I mean, my nickname is Puddles. <laughs> in, in my personal life and my professional life, yeah <laughs> it's, it's it's funny um yeah you know through I, you know so i am a fire hydrant squirter as i will call it yep. it's not a little bit it's a lot mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so we're like i can't work out of hotels it's fine <laughs> yeah it's a problem but, um, whatever <laughs> it, it's a problem it's, just it's the reality fine. of my life yeah it's, you know <laughs> oh yeah the first time i did murder we would like we went, we were talking about it beforehand and we're standing there and we're going, should we just Dexter this place? Like, just get plastic <laughs> sheets and hang it up on every surface? And then we're like, okay, the guy might think we're going to kill him. Maybe not the best idea. <laughs> but it's sort of, that's, yeah, definitely a thing. And um, 
before we move on too much, I, I love this as a topic, by the way, because I, I think a lot of people are very curious about squirting, right? I'm, I just want to ask before mm-hmm. you move on, if this was something you were always able to do, like, or this was something no. that you, like, trained yourself to do? No, not even trained. Um, so, so I didn't have my first orgasm, really. Like, I had a couple accidental ones. Uh, I didn't have my first orgasm until I was 25. Okay. Um, I have been sexually active since I was probably 13, 14 years old. So there was a long period of time where I wasn't um, able to, uh, or like even orgasm in the first place. And so with me coming viral mode, with me taking active measures to get sober, that led to me being more grounded in my body. And so me spending more time on working on centering myself and getting myself more grounded, uh, you know, the orgasms came. And then I would say it was probably March last year, squirted, like I squirted once or twice previously with a partner prior to this, but it happened it started happening again like March of last year, I would say. And then it just like exponentially skyrocketed. Uh, and then <laughs> I would say over the past, I've also gone through, like for me, my sexual prowess, my hunger, my ability to orgasm, my ability to squirt and all these things have all been directly correlated with my mental health journey. Wow. Um, and okay, the more that's that so I get more centered, more yeah, so the more that I'm able to feel more connected with my body, the more that I feel confident in how I can use it, the more that I'm able to better the way, the more that like the 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 wasps in my head are let out and all of these things, um, I'm able to surrender to the act of sex um, or anything in sort of a sexual space, mm-hmm. and it's all that consumes my mind. Like if I am in session, I am mentally unable to think about anything else like all I can think of is in that room I mean I think that's people's like that's like goals that's sex goals for most people that you're completely embodied right like that's such a common thing that people come to me for is like I just want to get out of my head I just want to you know turn my brain off so yeah fucking round of applause for you yeah 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 so I would say yeah and and I think that's just the lack of anxiety, you know, with it, you know. Well, it's mind-body, mind-body connection. Exactly. And, like, vulnerableness, it's, like, there's difficulties, there's all this other stuff, there's internalized shame, there's guilt, there's all these things. And it's, like, breaking through those barriers and letting yourself be connected to the more interior and that, like, mind-body connection. Like, I... People ask me how I learned how to squirt. And I like honestly, I have to say is I went to therapy. Like that that's is an the amazing answer. Oh my god, I'm obsessed. Like, go to therapy. You learn how to squirt. Like, oh my god, my best friend from like hair school. I've known her for like eleven years now. Um, she, I, I remember like me talking about her to her as this is knows my whole journey with sex and everything else like that too. I can text from her one day a, a voice message. And she's like, I figured out the cheat code. Oh, my God. Like, and she just like the next like six, like she's currently going through this like frenzy of it. She's like, I, I-, I can feel my body and it's a geyser and it's this. And she's like, 
I didn't understand. And oh my God, like just there's so much. He's like, I should have got to th- they advertise therapy with, with better than yourself. <laughs> so many more people go to fucking therapy. And I'm like, I know. Oh my and God. it's like, it, it's so good. It's yeah. And I mean, like I have a lot of um, like, you know, I'm able to orgasm. Like I have a very strong praise kink. So like you tell me I'm doing a good job. I am the happiest being down your leg. Like, it's yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, all those sorts of things. Those, like, those intellectual mind orgasms are, like, phenomenal and what they can do for you as well. Um, but, yeah, that that's it's all, like, that sort of, like, the first step of AA, you know, just surrender. Like, give in. Relax. Like, you're here in this moment. There is nothing you can do. Wow. Just enjoy yourself. I mean, that it makes so much sense when people are, like, you know, if the question is like, how do I, how do I have an orgasm? How do I orgasm easier? How do I squirt? That the answer is, well, you have to be embodied, right? Like, you've got to be get into your body to be able to fully. How comfortable are you looking in the mirror? Yeah. (laughs) Like, like, well, that, you know, pull fully funny faces when they get their photos taken. Like there's massive discomfort in your perception of yourself. You know, you're going to have issues in sex if you struggle with your own image. Like that, you know, it's... Big time. Yeah, like, and I'm only saying this from my point of experience because, I mean, for years I couldn't have my photo taken. And now it's, like, one of my favorite things to do. And my photos, I couldn't be in front of a camera without pulling an ugly face. Yeah. Trying to do something funny. Goofing. Doing a handstand. Hamming. Yeah, like... Absolutely. And it was, you know, that was because I didn't want you to see who was on the inside. I didn't want you to, I didn't want to see an image of what someone else saw because I didn't think I was worthy of that perception. Wow. Yes. Yeah. All sorts of stuff in there. That's amazing. Isn't that, what, what a 180. Um, yeah. You know, because part of our fucking job is to have pictures taken of us fucking constantly. Oh, Yeah. Absolutely. Is to be perceived, you know, a part, a big part of our job is to be perceived. perceived, Yeah. Publicly perceived. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Publicly perceived. It's a lot of it. Yeah. What does your brain do now with that kind of thing being perceived? What does your brain think about it now? My brain is um, sometimes annoyed, but I think that's sort of (laughs) some like. Fair, fair, (laughs) fair. Some, like, just exhaustion of having to be seen, and so... Yes, yes, yes. I mean, and I mean, because of that, I do, like, I have very... I have, like, weird internal rules with that, where it's just sort of, like, I know that I struggle with being perceived sometimes, because it's a lot, and so, you know, times where I don't want to be, I don't make, um, you know, I don't sort of exist in online spaces. Like 99% of my advertising is done on Twitter and it is pre-scheduled two months in advance. Like my posts are made ages in advance. Yes. And I forget about it. And then it just gets weird when people come into session and they're like, oh yeah, like I saw this and da da da. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking I about. I don't know what I wrote. Like I yep. made that post a month and a half of what I said. I know it was posted today. I still don't know what I said. I <laughs> don't care. Like, and so with those, yeah, those things of perception. Um, but I think there's also, I have a huge amount of pride in who I am today. So that I, I enjoy the perception a, a lot more because I can see how, 
you know, the work I've done on myself touches those around me, like my family, my friends, everything. Like, you know, the work that I've done has been able to touch people in ways that have led them to be able to go and work on themselves in ways that they didn't know that they needed to or didn't think that was possible for within themselves. So, like, there isn't as much fear of being perceived because the perception that people are viewing is something that I'm proud of and that I know I've done the work to earn and that, well, not necessarily earn, but I've done work to align myself in a way that I'm proud of it. Yeah. I'm glad. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I I agree. You sometimes it's very annoying. I, I am also at the thing where yeah. I'm like, yes, embracing myself and feeling proud of my body and, and of the brand I've created, of my business I've created and all of that stuff. And but yeah, sometimes I go to a bitter place sometimes where I'm like, you all don't deserve to get all this content from me. Like this should oh, all be yeah. behind a paywall. Like sometimes I'm like, I you do know. have that when the, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like these pictures are too <laughs> yeah. good. That's what I deal with. These are too yeah. good to just give away like yeah. this to undeserving, undeserving of my beauty. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you don't understand what's in. You're not using it in the way that I want it to be, and it's messing with my head. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh those are hard. There are times when that happens, definitely, yeah. where it's yeah. just like, ugh, it's a bit overwhelming. But I mean... But to me, the, I do the same thing. I think about my boundaries in that case, right? I'm like, okay, you know, how can oh, we yeah. set this up better so that you're not feeling bitter? Bitter, to me, mm-hmm. in this industry usually means I feel like I'm doing too much, like, free labor. I'm doing, I gotta raise a rate, or I gotta chain, tweak a thing, of like, okay, don't post as much then, you know, put it behind a paywall yeah. then, like whatever, you know what I mean? Just adjust Absolutely. something. Yeah, what's wrong indicator. with sticking it behind a paywall? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay. So have we, did we even really talk about squirting that much? I feel like. <laughs> we didn't really. <laughs> we, we, we wanted to talk about how I got to the place that I was able to, but yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder what you're yeah. going to say about it before I cut you off though. You were going to start to talk about something. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. Let me tell me about your squirting journey first. Maybe you can talk about what this what this feels like for you and what this looks like for you. Maybe let's mm-hmm. maybe let's go there. Yeah. So it's funny for me. I I replace a lot of golden shower acts with squirting because of the ease of connectivity to my body. So in spaces where you would normally you could have like a golden shower scene. Like, uh, you know, I've had someone bring in, like, hors d'oeuvres and champagne flutes, and I've squirted into the glass for them to drink with, you know, their food. Brilliant. Um, as, like, something to go for there. Um, so, yeah, it's, it can be a number of things. And I've, I have a very, like, animalistic or primal, primal sort of sense in how I move in spaces, like energy reading and not energy reading, but like because of the dance background, there's sort of like you've got the lead and I'll just follow along. Like whatever I'm pulling out of this, like I'll just follow with what I'm receiving. And someone gets like a little excited when I start squirting from their energy from there, it will amplify it. So the more that the person's into it, the more it will actually be produced. And it'd be the, like the opposite of how can I put it? I mean, it was what I was saying earlier of what you put into it. That's what you get back, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, everything needs to be fed. 
Ooh, wow, and, and, that's deep. Yeah. Whoa. Well, I'm a very hungry person. What can I'm I say? Very human. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like pint size, but like, just give me a sub. It's so good. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, like it's whatever you put into it, you're definitely gonna get out. Um, yeah, I like how that you mentioned this connection. I always find this an interesting topic, this connection between your dance and how it translates into your work. I'm always interested of like people's, you know, past experiences for me. It's like perfor- being in a, you know, performing much like you, but like for performing arts and how I bring that into yeah. how I show up in my work and like people's old, weird, odd jobs and how they bring that into their work is like really fascinating to me because um oh it's, yeah it's just it's so rich right like all the differences of all the things we do in this work it's like informed so much by f- what we've learned in the past where we've come from so like I love how you are like it's exactly like dance that's how I approach it it's like you know you lead and I follow you know you give me this yeah. energy I will match this energy it's much like a dance I like I like hearing that oh yeah from you as a ballet dancer yeah, and, like, when I competed um, growing up, like, I could do all the, like, you know, the ballet, the point, the blah, 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 but the part that I loved the most, and I always competed, like, in several year groups of grades higher than myself in this was impromptu. And so with that, you would stand in the wings for the one dancer before you and listen to the song once, and then they've finished. You're on stage, and you're doing your dance to that piece of song. Wow. So, like being able to be in that space and having that innately sort of in who I am or ingrained in who I am. It's just a, like, I, like I will walk into any room and it's like, I own the place and I'm completely comfortable. Like a duck to water. Like, it's just throw it at me. Let's go. Uh, you know, there's sort of that sort of, I don't know. It's just sort of a very comfortable space that I've always sort of been in and being able to exist in that sort of impromptuness of things. of just like, let's see what happens and we'll go from there. That, yeah yeah my background in improv I definitely bring into my work in the same way like and it's interesting how it um we talked about kind of perfectionism or performative kind of um stuff as well and that's cool that's so interesting how it plays with like our ability to improvise it's like when we give ourselves this container to kind of be free Mm -hmm. of controlling trying to control everything I like how we can do that in our work, right? Like that's this space where I can do that. It feels really empowering for me. Yeah. Yeah. Ask someone to draw a box so that you can play in it. Like I want to play in a sandcastle. Oh, I want to play in the sandbox. (laughs) Tell me where the lines are and I'm going to go to town and you'll be fine. It's sort of like, that's what you need. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of like why to me, like when I talked about like what I'm good about with this work is like distilling the information and creating the thing. That's exactly what I'm doing. I'm just creating an outline, right? Like, yeah, tell me where the lines are. And so I can color in them. You know what I mean? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Really, if we want to think of it like in a metaphor, it's like, tell me, Mm -hmm. you know, describe what the outlines of the picture look like so that we can color in them together. Mm hmm. And don't ask me to draw the lines because my brain goes too far. Please be certain in where your lines are because I yes. get trigger happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I enjoy a lot of things. 
Um, and like one of my favorite things that triggers my squirting is uh, foot fucking. Uh, th- like the sensation of having like my a foot, foot job? in someone else's ass. Oh, I see foot no, fucking. Okay. Butt. I was like different yes. from foot job. Okay, got you. Insertable yeah. foot. Yes. Uh, <laughs> insertable foot. Like I love me a magnum knee high. It is my favorite. But that sensation will make me squirt. And, you know, it's a sense of like vulnerability. It's a sensation of the thing and everything else like that. But like that is a lot of fun for me. So please don't come to me and tell me like we can do whatever you want. Because high. Like, <laughs> like I need you to make your life. Yeah, we'll be doing that. We'll be doing if you, if you don't specify, I'm going to be having my foot in your ass. Like if you don't say. <laughs> like, because it is like my favorite thing to do. And unfortunately, oh oh, fortunately, I do have a very lovely client who sees me semi-regularly where I get to have that fun with them. But like, I don't get it that often. So I don't do anything. I want to do my favorite thing I don't get to do often. <laughs> know what okay so one thing about that that's difficult and i think that you have a big leg up um no pun intended again on this is like um if i point my foot you know for too long i start to cramp it's because i'm a dehydrated girly also I, Mm -hmm. i understand that but it's kind of hard to keep your foot pointed enough to like do that activity right foot foot fucking but for you i imagine it's like that's not an issue whatsoever you probably have the perfectly pointed ballet foot to foot fuck someone yeah exactly (laughs) and i mean it's all sitting position and things like that too like yes i guess we just have to do a session but (laughs) (laughs) but, you know you sort of want to be sat at the same level that they're nailed at and things like that. You don't want it to be too much of a height discrepancy and things. But it is also, like, very minute muscle movement. So, yeah, there has to be a sort of, like, a, a sense of strength in the small muscles in your legs and the ability to hold weird positions and stuff for a while. Yeah, it takes a practice. Yeah, I've <laughs> taught, like, um, I've taught fisting demos at Oasis a, no- a you know number of times at this point, and that's a huge thing that I always talk about there is positioning, um, and like specifically mm-hmm. as a top doing the activity, what's going to be the easiest position for you, where you have the most leverage, where yeah. you're not you know where your weight is balanced in a way where your as you said your muscles you know are not overworking to hold you in a you know in some dumb position you kind of fell into. Whatever position you started in and you're like, well, I'm stuck here now because fisting is not a quick activity, you know? <laughs> no. But all things yeah. to consider. The last thing you want to do is fall apart. Yeah. Yeah. The last t- thing you yeah. want to do as a top is like you can't sustain whatever the activity is because you got yourself in a, you know, you got set up in a shitty position that's not comfortable or, yeah. <laughs> or manageable. And then you're not in your head. At- yeah. And then you're in your head and not in your body and then you're not enjoying your seat. And we then, gotta like, stop whole, everything. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, Absolutely. so before we go, um, we've got a couple minutes left with you, Effie. Was there anything that we haven't mm-hmm. hit on that you wanted to talk about in the last few minutes here? I feel like we mostly hit our topics. Yeah, like, we hit a fair amount of our topics. And, I mean, I can't think of anything, but I could also talk for, like, seven years. <laughs> that, that too. What I'll ask you then yeah. at the end here, fill in the blanks for me. If um, someone should book you if they want, fill in the blanks. What, what kind of an experience, you know, what kind of activities 
what kind of people they they align themselves with. They should book you if they like <laughs> what? If um wet. <laughs> That's the number one thing. <laughs> they if, like okay. to be wet. <laughs> like, if, if you do not want to get messy, please do not come and see me. Please do not. Like, like, like yeah, I'm here to have fun, and I'm going to live with, like, reckless abandon. So, like, make sure. <laughs> yeah, behind the thing. If, you, if you're able to be honest with yourself as to why you're here. Like, I, while I am, like, fetish and, like, kink sort of oriented, you know, I do have a lot of, you know, um, regular clients that have seen me from day one almost have, like every other week you know for they're honest with themselves as to why they're here you don't need to be honest with me but be honest with yourself if you're telling yourself you're here just for an orgasm and that's not really it well then maybe like we're not going to align like the energy will fill off and you won't enjoy yourself mm-hmm. so if you're honest with yourself as to why you're in the room there won't be an energy displacement and we'll have a great time you know yeah, if you're honest with yourself and you don't mind getting messy. I'm your human. <laughs> yeah, I'm it. your human. Or right. if you and you want to get weird and watch a very small girl eat like a twenty inch sandwich, go nuts. <laughs> Party sandwich. I can yeah. eat. I'm one person that just comes with like two massive stromas and I eat. It's awesome. Oh my god, like, fabulous! Damn. Oh yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> Effie, um, if people want to find, follow you, book you give you food, give you money. <laughs> Tell us all the ways we can do that. Um, so if you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter. And that would be at Effie Turner T.O. Uh, I have a website where you can book me through, and that is EffieTurner.com. Uh, and then I'm also on Instagram, and that's where I have all my pro shots sort of posted. I don't really do anything for work, but if you want to look at pretty pictures of me, and that's about it. Um, it's ET underscore gone home. Extraterrestrial is where we're at. Oh, that's so true. I love that. ET. Effie Turner. ET. Well, and I had someone tell me that I'm like an 80s stepmom and I went, boom, the ET thing just works great. Oh my like, God. I look yes. like someone's like 80s stepmom who works at a hair salon. Oh my God, that. Absolutely. <laughs> wow. Okay, yeah. for me, folks, I'm at the Lady Pim one on Twitter. I am at the Lady Pim on Instagram. The podcast is at the Bedpost Podcast on um, YouTube, on Instagram, on um, where else? Oh, Patreon, the Bedpost Show on Patreon. Um, YouTube cha- channel is being resurrected, folks. Once a month, I'm in the studio with someone. So my next guest mm-hmm. is Goddess Freya Faye. You will see a video podcast. Um, you'll get the audio here as per usual, but there will be a video up on the YouTube if you want to check it out. We already have one with Ms. Chloe Mars up there, and we're going to be doing once once a month, as I said. And then um, I never like to go an episode without thanking the lovely lady who does the original music for the podcast. Her name is Stephanie Copeland. You can find out more about her at stephcopelandmusic.com. Effie, this has been so lovely. It's been a wild, wet, wonderful chat. The wonderful oh, yes. world. The wild, wild west. <laughs> the wild, wild west. Well, I'm on the west end, so it kind of works. Yeah, oh my god, absolutely. I hope you enjoyed it also, everyone. And we'll see you next time with another fun and sexy guest here on the Bedpost Podcast talking about sex and sexuality. Until then, get fucked, everybody. Goodbye.
This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network.